Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we're back with some spooky stories for you. I feel like I have unintentionally tripped into like putting myself into a trap where I always in the beginning of the show, I'm like, we're gonna blah, blah, we're gonna booby, and we're gonna doopity do. And I didn't mean to do that. I gotta say, I was really enjoying listening to you like completely just pull these terms out of thin air week after week. I know. I never think about it until I'm doing it. And then I guess I yeah. just thought about you it. You never repeated any. I'm sure I Not have. intentionally anyway. It's not yeah. like you uh it's not like you scripted it out. But so it was I think fun to hear you start being quite like, clear. And we're gonna tantalize and also <laughs> scare you. (laughs) Well, I hope now just talking about it hasn't added a level of self-consciousness to it for me that I won't be able to do that. I I think I'll still do it in the future. I didn't even like deliberately not do it this time. Right, yeah. I just... All right, well, fair enough. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to say something that I've said before. Okay. And I'm not ashamed of it. Don't be. On Guide to the Unknown, Kristen and I always sit down and we talk about scary things. Mm -hmm. Monsters, urban legends. It's the show. It's what we're all about. That's right. However... Sometimes we find a topic that isn't quite up to snuff. It doesn't necessarily deserve its own mega segment. And when that happens, we jump into bite-sized monster madness. Yeah, baby. Now, in a previous show, Kristen, we covered brownies, Mm -hmm. which was a type of goblin. Elf. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Alf. Alf. Uh, And I looked up goblins thinking, because I was going to reverse engineer part of that show, do goblins this week. Mm -hmm. Kristen, I opened the Wikipedia for goblins, and I almost started snoozing. (laughs) It was terrible. Tell me. I want to hear. I would think that would be good. Half the Wikipedia page for goblins is just explaining where the word goblin comes from. And I was just like, oh my God, can we talk about what they do or anything? So unfortunately, kind of like when you put the Loch Ness Monster yep. into Bite Size Monster Madness, yep. a big creature that you would think would have tons of things to discuss, mm-hmm. not so much. Hmm. Same goes for goblins. It's a goblin-sized story. Yeah, we're going to be gobbling this up, yeah. and we'll be done really quickly. <laughs> so goblin, I'll make the, the etymology part brief. Okay. I just kind of enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. This is the only part that was cool. Okay, Goblin calls from comes from gob. The King of the Gnomes. Oh, okay. G-O-B, like Job from Arrested Development. Yeah, the Gnome King in um, Return to Oz. Yes. Oh, oh, my God, with his fancy little shoes. Remember how it, well, it's funny to say, remember how I do this, but it cracks me up when he he's looking at the shoes and he goes, they're very powerful. And anytime I watch that with my friends, I say, they're very comfortable. <laughs> uh, Return to Oz is one of the most horrifying, is it a children's movie? Really? Yes, yes. Ooh, it's sort of a sequel to The mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz starring Feruza Balk in like the 80s? Yeah. Early if, 80s, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. Bunch of terrifying monsters and... Uh, Just Google yeah, it or look it up on YouTube. There'll be clips and stuff. You're not going to believe what you're seeing. Look it's up, so insane. Look up Wheelers. Yeah. Return to Oz Wheelers. Return to Oz Wheelers. And then if you want to see what I was just talking about, I actually think maybe it's the Gnome King. Oh, it might be the Gnome King. Yeah, you yeah, might yeah. Be right I just realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So Gob mm-hmm. was the king of the gnomes uh, <laughs> whose inferiors were called Goblings. Oh. Isn't that kind of yeah. semi-interesting? Yeah, like ducklings. Like lesser, yeah, exactly. Dumplings. Like dumplings. They come from a larger dump. They're, they're f- <laughs> oh, man, I would love a big dumpling. I, well. Dumplings are my favorite food. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so my next segment is just called boring. I saw. Sometimes they're short. 
Sometimes they're the size of humans. Okay. Sometimes they have certain abilities. Sometimes they have different abilities. Nowhere did I see what those abilities are. That's really funny. <laughs> they're just like, they have a variety of abilities. Uh, but this was an awesome description. Uh, they said sometimes they uh, weave nightmares out of gossamer. That's awesome. Anytime you throw gossamer in something, yeah. I'm like, ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. We've got uh, nightmares out of gossamer and insert them into the ear of a sleeping human, stealing human women and children and hiding them away underground or even stealing human babies and replacing them with ugly goblin babies. <sighs> That's really funny. Called and, changelings. Yeah. Cha yeah. Which I, I left because I figured changelings could be its own potential topic. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I read a good book about changelings once. Uh, one of the final cool things to ever be said about goblins, unless you're talking about specific goblins from pop culture, it seems like most of the goblin stuff I found is like, there are characters in Dungeons and Dragons. There are go obviously the goblins in Harry Potter love gold. Yeah. I love gold. Gold. Um, this is the final cool thing about goblins from folklore. Okay. A goblin smile is said to curdle blood and a laugh will sour milk and cause fruit to fall from trees. That is very cool. Yeah. It's his laugh that does that? Yeah. The, well, the his laugh, or her. laugh curdles milk and causes fruit to fall from yeah, trees. Yeah. That's awesome. Their smile. Smile. Right. Is said to curdle blood. That's sweet. How great is that? So yeah, even though goblins, it's a, a small amount of information, yeah. the cool stuff is very cool. The cool stuff is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like... Uh, you know, a small part of the greater story. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that is uh, this week's Bite Size Monster Madness. Yep. The Hope you enjoyed it. I'm full. Yeah. Oh, stuffed. That was all I needed. I'm stuffed. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> On to uh, Bigger Business. The okay. Bigger Business Bureau. <laughs> all right, William, there is big business happening May, what is it, 15th or something. Okay. Nope. That was yesterday. Um, Whatever this coming Saturday is, yeah. is when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are getting married. Okay. The 19th. Yeah. Saturday, May 19th, 2018. Big stuff's happening. It's a worldwide event. Yeah. People love a royal wedding. I like mm. seeing those little kids dressed up like grownups. They're like shrunken grownups, I think. Brit That's the queen. Specifically British kids. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... I'm going to talk to you about some hauntings of the royal family. Oh, awesome. I love it. And ending right. with something that's going to impact Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Really? They're in danger. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. I hope Meghan Merkel doesn't end up saying, did I do that? Is that a joke? What? Oh, Urkel. Oh, gotcha. Is that a really good joke? Boy, yeah, it's a really good joke. <laughs> Meghan Merkel. I like Meghan Markle. She's shaking things up a little bit. I don't know. Anyway. As far as, as much as I know about it, I really do not know a whole lot about the royal family at all. I don't really understand what it is. I understand enough. You don't have to explain it to me. Nobody has to at me. what it is. <laughs> well, it's weird. It's not, they're not like politicians, but they like kind of hold a place in society. It's yeah. a strange it's a strange area yeah. that they inhabit. So it's, it's just weird to me. Yeah. 
Um, I know, I know enough. You guys don't have to like at me or whatever, explain to me, but, um, but you know, I don't know a whole lot about the history of it, even though I'm very intrigued by it. I, it's one of these things where I always say it and I mean it that I want to read books about the Royal family and everything, but I just never do it. But after researching this, I really do now. This is, it's actually very interesting. Okay. So I'm going to start with um, well, I'm going to go castle by castle. I'm not going to do every castle or every place in London, yeah. but I basically went through and called stories of cool hauntings that have to do with the royal family and then grouped them together by castle. There are more than this, but um, I'm doing it this way. Yeah, fair enough. This is okay. the best of the best. Yes, the cream of the crop. Chrissy's selections. That's right. Okay, so Windsor Castle is considered the most haunted hmm. of the castles. It has the most events, um, and I'm just going to go through three of them that I found the most interesting because, like, a lot of ghost stories, the events, even though it's cool and interesting, they're mostly, you know, somebody saw a mist yeah, that yeah, they yeah. assume. Like, it, it, there aren't, like, really, like, boom stories um, to all of them, so I'm just calling out the coolest ones. Okay, so King Henry the Fourth. Now, this guy comes up a lot. This guy was a real baddie. He had some problems. I think he's in a lot of these books and things like that. Yeah. He beheaded two of his wives. Um, or not, he, you know, he like ordered them to be beheaded. Um, and then ordered like many others to be executed and things like that. Um, it's said that he was impotent and that may have driven some of this. Like mm. it was a way for him to like wield his power. Yeah. And his impotence also may, may have led to something that happened with one of his wives. Oh. Little teaser. Okay, so people say that in Windsor Castle, they see King Henry IV wandering through rooms, pacing furiously and shouting loudly. Because he's like a... He's just out of his mind. A nuts guy, yeah. yeah. Pretending to be potent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is cool and creepy. He thinks he's so impotent. <laughs> You know, the British royalty really holds a place of impotence that I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it's neither here nor there. Um, so this is cool and creepy. And I guess I like a dragging sound because I know this has come up in other ghost stories we've spoken about. And whenever it comes up, I'm always like, Ooh. oh, yeah. So um, people say they can hear a dragging sound when he's around because it's the sound. He had a, an ulcerated leg, like oh. a bad leg. Okay. And so it kind of dragged. So people say they hear the dragging sound of King Henry's ulcerated leg. Ooh. Doesn't ulcerated sound gross yeah it really does sound i know horrible i know i almost it's both, it's both like really you know sad and i would to say gross isn't the right word but like it, it adds um almost like a this is the right word but almost like a gore to it not sure. not really but if, if i was just reading something that said he had a bad leg that was yeah. dragging that's one thing but ulcerated just sounds it, it's more medical i guess so you're like wow there's something really really wrong yeah, yeah. inside there i think it's also weird the idea of carrying a physical you know ailment mm -hmm. into the afterlife yes you know i always had um this is this isn't really this but it made me think of it when i was younger i really thought that maybe the difference between heaven and hell mm -hmm. is like on earth if you suffered from some sort of like, you know, physical, you know, difficulty, whatever, when you're in heaven, solved. Yeah. Like it doesn't exist at all. However, yeah. if you go to hell, it's increased like 50 fold. Yeah. Because like yeah. The, the, the way that that would weigh not only on you physically, but also mentally, it mm -hmm. would be, you know, it's torment. like the perfect torture. Exactly. Yeah. So like totally. I was, well, whatever. that's an interesting. Yeah. I like Isn't that. that. Yeah. I thought that was a kind of cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to Queen Victoria, who also haunts Win uh, Windsor Castle. So um, this is an interesting story, too, not even totally having to do with her time. So her great 
grandson was King Edward VIII, and he was king, and then he gave up the crown for love. Oh. Because somehow, and I know this is a big story that a lot of people know, and a lot of people have written books about it, um, it's, it was apparently like a huge scandal in the 30s, like reality TV, big news, basically. Um, he fell in love with a married woman named Wallace Simpson, an American married woman, uh, married American woman. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, she went there, they got together or whatever, and then she wanted to kind of spruce up Windsor Castle or, you know, the grounds and everything. And um, she wanted to have spruce trees removed from the grounds. And they never were because the workers who were working on that got scared away by the vision of Queen Victoria. So her husband's great grandmother, who had lived at Windsor Castle, I guess, waving her arms and moaning. <laughs> Which seem like God. disparate things. Waving seems very active to me, and then moaning is like, Whoa. so we do a physically fast movement with a very like yeah. ah, slow thing is yeah. weird. Or maybe waving her arms wasn't like her arms above her head; they're just dangling and wiggling. Oh God! Whoa. Yeah, that's even worse, right? actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then also Windsor Castle, there was Queen Elizabeth I. So she was Anne Boleyn's daughter. Um, so then the daughter of King Henry as well, fourth or eighth or something. Um, and she was known as the Virgin Queen. I'll give you one guess why. <laughs> um, so she has a very active spirit. She's seen a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and by members of the royalty. They've talked about it before. So King George III and King Edward VII said that they saw her. But King George III kind of upped the ante because he says that he talked to her. And she said that she was married to England. And I say, okay. <laughs> Whatever you need, Queen Elizabeth. If that's why you're a virgin, because you're married to England, that's fine. There are people now that marry like roller coasters and stuff. So That's true. What the hell is that called? <laughs> um, a oh. sweet ride. <laughs> Objectum sexual. Is that, um, a, is that a spell? <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard Snape say that <laughs> in a duel with Gilderoy Lockhart. Objectum sexual. I think that's. I think it's. It's at least close to that. I think that's what it is. It's when you have sexual feelings for like an object. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, there's a documentary about it. Um. So what? I'm just. I'm just thinking that that's what it would be if you fell in love with a painting in Harry Potter. Like yeah, because they're kind of alive, but it's really it's, it's well. A painting. N I don't know if that would count really, because there there's like an alive being, like obje objectum sexuals. Oh, it's called. I think it's called. I'm married to the Eiffel Tower, or I fell in love with the Eiffel Tower, or something like that. It's Eiffel Tower. So there's somebody who's in love with the Eiffel Tower. Somebody who's in love with like a roller coaster or something, a car. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cool. So I don't, my point is, I don't think that's what Queen Elizabeth, I don't think Queen Elizabeth was married to England. I think she was a virgin and <laughs> embarrassed is what I'm, I'm making virgin. up. I'm a virgin. I never, I've never had sex before. <laughs> Everybody watch old episodes of Conan O'Brien. Yep. Probably 20 years ago with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that thing where uh, Conan's mouth goes in Arnold's mouth, like, you know, the picture of it to make him say something. Yeah. Um, Arnold tried to get revenge and it. <laughs> It both worked and backfired. Yes. It's excellent. <laughs> um, you really should look that up. It's really funny. So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Because she's a virgin and she's like, 
she comes as a ghost and be like, I'm married to England, just so you know. Like, that's what the deal is. That was her unfinished business, trying to make sure that everyone still thought she was cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And King George VI said that he saw her, Queen Elizabeth, eight nights in a row at the onset of World War II. Ooh. So, I don't know. She was hanging around as a warning or something. I didn't read any more than that. I just said that. Huh. Okay, then in Buckingham Palace, which is the one that I'm most familiar with, I think that's where um, Queen Elizabeth II, who's alive now, lives okay, and everything. Yeah. So I think that's where a lot of like the royal family, the most famous part of it, the action goes on there. Yeah. Like, you know, Charles and all the kids and everything. I have been Harry, there. William. In, uh, in November. Oh, yeah. yeah. In November, Allie and I went to London and we went. You can't like walk right up to the building. Right. There's a giant fountain out front. Right. So we went to that. That's awesome. That's cool. William. Did you happen to hear a single gunshot from an office on the first floor? Oh, God. On the first floor? Mm-hmm. No. That's right. That's where Major John Gwynn, the private secretary to King Edward VII, killed himself with wow. a single bullet to the head. Wow. So this was in the early 1900s, and he got divorced, and that was a huge scandal at that time, and he like couldn't take the anxiety of everybody talking about him and shunning him. Wow. And so he shot himself. Isn't that crazy to think about? That is crazy, yeah. A hundred years ago? Right. Um, So, yeah, so he shot himself in there, and the staff for a long time has said that that particular room has weird vibes and that um, a single gunshot can be heard from that room sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I'm going to take you to the Tower of London. Mm. Heard of that, right? Yeah, I've also been been there. there. Uh Cool. Okay, so this is kind of, this is sad. I mean, it's all sad, but this is a sad one. Um, so, <laughs> seriously, the British like royalty stuff from like a long time ago, maybe it's still now, but to a different degree, is like really crazy. Well, it's also I think some of that is the fact that we live in a country mm-hmm. that is like two hundred and forty years old, yes. something like that. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, there's not that much. Oh, I mean, there's of, no, no, there's... Of like you know of the United States of America. There's not like that much history. Nowhere near as much. There's a lot of crazy stuff here, too, to be clear. I'm sure. not passing a ton of judgment on Britain. Yeah, but yeah. when you're reading it, it's like, oh, my God, this is yeah, nuts. I know. Um, so in the Tower of London, it said that Prince Edward and Prince Richard haunt it. They were locked away in the tower when they were 12 and 9. Do you know this already? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't remember it very much, but yeah. Go okay. Um, because King Richard III didn't want them to usurp him. <laughs> So he locked them away so they couldn't, like, take the kingship from yeah. him or whatever. And they were his nephews. I don't, you know, again, I don't even totally understand how that works. Again, don't worry about telling me. Um, but <laughs> but the, yeah. the, watch The Lion King. I'll put it that way. It's scarred to December. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're speaking my language. Thank you. Um, so apparently nobody knows for sure what happened to them. There are no records of it or anything like that. There's no like paper trail. Yeah. But their bones were found under the stairs. So they know they died in there. Yeah. Which is no good. It's awesome. There are there are plaques in there. Yeah. You can walk around the Tower of London and walk like in it like all the corridors are really small mm-hmm. and weird. And there's a room with a bunch of plaques that yeah. tell the story of these kids. Yeah. It's it's really crazy. Yeah. It's really nuts. And so the ghost story for them is that they um have been seen wearing white nightgowns and holding hands. They never make a sound and then they fade quickly away into the stonework. <sighs> Just that phrase really got me, by the That's way. Awesome. They fade into the stonework. I love that. Yeah. I know. In a weird also, way, it's where they belong now. They've right. been there for so long. Together. In the stone. Right. Yeah. Totally. And not alone, which reminds me of the Shining Twins. Yeah, absolutely. It also reminds me of David Copperfield walking through the Great Wall of China. 
Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk about David Copfield. And I know that we, I want to do something with him. Yeah. No, with anyway. We're going to do a collaboration with uh, David Copperfield <laughs> soon. <laughs> okay. So Anne Boleyn. Now, this is a meaty one. Okay. Not her herself, but the story. Okay, so, well, who knows? No, probably not. Okay, anyway, so she was beheaded by sword in the tower after, remember King Henry from the very beginning? Yeah. Well, he accused her of adultery with her brother. Ooh. Yeah. And um, I did some light research, and what I found was maybe, maybe not, basically. Okay. Some people say yes, some people say no. Um, based, I mean, partially maybe because this was so long ago, um, there's not a lot of hard evidence. It's yeah. not like there's like a internet paper trail or even later than that. You know what I mean? Um, so it seems like some people think that she may have been an adulteress, um, with her brother or not. It's hard to say. Um, but it ties into the impotence thing with King Henry because another theory is if she had been an adulteress, which I like saying, um, then she may have been trying to get pregnant to prolong the bloodline and it couldn't be with Henry. So she was going to try another way or something. There had to be other people. <laughs> I, I know. I refuse to believe <laughs> there yeah. were no other options. I would think not. Oh no, um, I guess we have to now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we gotta. Weird. Um, okay. And so there's a rumor that's not true, but it's a really cool and messed up rumor that I want to mention that the night before she was executed, that she had to stay in the tower in the same room that she spent the night before she, her coronation. Oh. So like the story is that, you know, she had to sleep over knowing she was going to die in the morning in the same room with the same memories of probably going to bed and being excited that she's going to be coronated the next yeah. day. But it's apparently not true. Oh, it's okay. a cool idea. Yeah. That's why I yeah. wanted to mention it. But, yeah. um, okay. So I'm just going to read from, um, a website called the Anne Boleyn files. Um, it's from the section, the ghost of Anne Boleyn about some really, really cool ghost, ghost, yeah. ghost stories about her. Okay. In 1817, a sentry patrolling the White Tower suffered a, suffered a fatal heart attack after encountering a ghostly Anne Boleyn on a staircase. In 1864, a sentry standing guard outside the Queen's house reported seeing the white figure of a woman veiled in mist. She was wearing Tudor dress and a French hood. However, where her face should have been, there was nothing. Awesome. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he challenged the figure, and when it did not reply and continued toward him, the sentry made a thrust at it with his bayonet. What happened next next caused him to swoon. His bayonet passed through the figure, and a fiery flash ran up his rifle and gave him a shock. The sentry was court-martialed for falling asleep during his watch. He was found not, because of the shock, I guess, he was found not guilty when several eyewitnesses told the court that they had also seen the headless woman on Tower Green that night. One officer who saw the event from a window in the bloody tower testified that he had heard the sentry yelling at the figure to stop and then saw him thrusting his bayonet through it. He saw the figure pass through the bayonet and then through the sentry as well. Which is crazy. So it was backed up and like corroborated from somebody in another tower. Yeah. So is this like written in files somewhere? Like I don't know. Almost like court documents. You know, I guess so. Basically? If it was, he was court, court martialed. So maybe. That's. I mean, all kinds awesome. of crazy things are written in court documents. Like, um, you know, there are court documents about Spring Hill Jack, which we talked about. True, right, right. You know, right, so yeah. I guess so. Probably. Yeah. Um, and this one is very cool. 
Um, by far the most spectacular haunting by Anne in the Tower takes place in the Chapel Royal of St. Peter and Vicula, where she is buried. In the late 19th century, a captain of the guard noticed a light burning in the locked chapel late at night. Upon finding a ladder and placing it against one of the chapel windows, he was shocked at the scene taking place in the otherwise empty chapel. It can be described by an excerpt from Ghostly Visitors by Specter Stricken, so I guess it's like a pen name, okay. um, London 1882. Slowly down the aisle moved a stately procession of knights and ladies attired in ancient costumes, and in front walked an elegant female whose face was averted from him, but whose figure greatly resembled the one he had seen in reputed portraits of Anne Boleyn. After having repeatedly paced the chapel, the entire procession together with the light disappeared. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Totally. Um, so this is not about... Uh, ghosts in the Tower of London, but something really weird having to do with the Tower of London that I'd never heard before. Okay. And God's the Unknown Worthy. Um, there are six ravens that live in the Tower of London at all times. They make sure that there are always six. Um, what? Because there's a... Uh, and they they have one wing clip so they can't fly away. That's crazy. So they can fly enough to be just around the tower, but they can't fly oh, long distances. That's sad. Um, so the reason they have clipped wings so that they can stay there is um, so because, wait, I, I'm telling this out of order a little bit, sorry. Um, I'll backtrack. Okay, so they have those clipped wings and the reason that they are there is that it said that their presence protects the crown, like the British royalty. Okay. Um, superstition says, quote, from Wikipedia, if the Tower of London Ravens are lost or fly away, the crown will fall and Britain with it. Whoa. That's crazy. I got Listen, I got to tell you, we were walking around the Tower of London for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I watched a bunch of crows. Yeah. Not like a, not like a zillion, probably yeah. like two or three crows uh-huh. hopping around really up close to people. It was very bizarre. I stood about two feet away from a crow while it like hopped into a garbage can and started pulling <laughs> french fries out. So... I thought that was super cool. I didn't know that they were like protecting the, the crown. I had no idea. I don't know if they're like they live up in the tower. I don't know what the deal is exactly. They were with hopping that. around. They were hopping around. They they were uh, hopping on a park bench. Yeah. And there was a guy sitting on the bench watching this crow hop along the bench near him, and I kept just thinking, like, get up, get oh my God. out of there. This crow's gonna peck your your face. Get out of there. <laughs> That's really. Funny. He didn't move, and the crow just kind of. Looked at him. I wonder if it was one of like garbage. one of like the sanctioned crows because they're like six. It's not like they just like make sure they're a crow. They're like the crows that live at the, the Tower crows. of London. Yeah, yeah, they have names and everything. They're cared for extremely well. Um, I'll just go to that right now. So you they, know the names? I don't know all the names. Um, let me see. <laughs> okay, so they are they are given individual names and they are all under the care of special warders and raven masters. Awesome. Okay, so the diet of the ravens is carefully maintained. It includes fresh fruit, cheese and fresh meat, as well as vitamins and other supplements. Hmm. In 2007, the raven master Derek Coyle commented, I buy fresh meat from Smithfield, liver, lamb, beef, chicken, and occasionally when I'm at my own place in Suffolk, someone will give me some rabbit that's been killed. If I see roadkill on the road and it's not been too badly mangled, I normally put it in a black bag and bring it back here. I give them biscuits as well, soaked in blood from the meat I buy. And in the winter, I get them capsules of cod liver oil. I know they're getting as much vitamins and oil as, as they possibly can. That's why they look so healthy. 
And William, they are freakishly healthy. You know, I think Derek Coyle was born to be a Raven master. Oh, yeah. He is passionate about this. Yeah. This is this guy's calling. Ugh. He's getting out and picking up roadkill for them. You could say it's my cawing. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. Um, so the average lifespan of a usual in the wild raven is 10 to 15 years. The average lifespan of a raven that's like one of the ravens of the Tower of London is 40 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's all those blood-soaked bis- biscuits and cod liver oil. Feed me more blood-soaked roadkill. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Mm, the fresher the better, but I won't say no to <laughs> Weak old rat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A weak old rat or a weak old rat. (laughs) I'll take either one. I'll live forever. Weak old rat. (laughs) W-E-A-K. Old old rat. But then you said another thing, right? Were you joking? maybe Maybe it's been there for a week. Or maybe it's just a weak old rat. Oh, I got you. Okay. I thought the two like things you're doing, one of them was a wee cold rat. Like a small one. Oh, you know what my three favorite meals are? A wee cold rat, a weak old rat, and a weak old rat. (laughs) Exactly. Those are the little tiers of a pyramid for a raven's. It's also the first draft of my next Def Jam poetry. (laughs) A weak old rat. Or a weak old rat. Into it. Well, William, it's interesting that you should personify these ravens because they did a sweet and freaky thing like a human. It's getting sweet and, sweet so, and freaky. Yeah, sweet and freaky. Okay, so there's a story about two the two ravens named James Crow and Edgar Sopper. Edgar Sopper. Sopping up that blood with that biscuit. Yeah. That one really impacted me for some reason, biscuit. I guess. Um Jim uh, James Crow was a much-loved and long-lived raven. After noticing the commotion uh, surrounding the other raven's death, died, I guess, um, Edgar Sopper... Oh, no, no, no. This is the wrong thing. Well, this is still a cool story. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I got mixed up. So... Okay, so they're clipped and everything, but a couple of ravens have made a run for it. There's a raven named Grog that decided to leave the surroundings of the tower for that of a pub after 21 years of fateful service. Faithful service. There's a raven named Mabel who was kidnapped from the tower soon after World War II, a mystery that has never been solved. Okay, now I'm going to tell the story properly. You yeah. might need to cut that for the... It's weird. Anyway, okay. Another story concerns the two ravens named James Crow and Edgar Sopper. James Crow was a much-loved and long-lived raven. After noticing the commotions uh, surrounding the other raven's death, Edgar Sopper decided he could play dead in order to bring more attention to himself. His trick was so convincing that the raven master fully believed that Edgar Sopper had died. When the raven master picked up the corpse, Edgar bit the man's figure, uh, finger and flapped off croaking huge raven laughs. That's genius. I know. Crows are supposed to be really smart. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, although, now that I've like really read that Raven Master's quotes in context, if that's the same Raven Master, Derek Coyle, I don't know how much I trust this story. He loves these ravens a lot. A little too much. I think yeah. he would give them a little bit too much credit, potentially. Yeah. Edgar Sopping winked at me, everyone. <laughs> he called me dad. Okay, and um, now this is the story that I was saying was sweet and sad. Real quick, you know who my favorite Raven Master is? Who? John Cusack. Oh, my God. (laughs) Look at that picture of him with that. 
Raven he's Amazon. the Raven Master. Yeah. Um, so in 1990, a chaplain named Norman Hood died in his chamber on the tower grounds. Former assistant Raven Master Tom Trent, man, there's a whole hierarchy of Raven Masters here, yes, yeah. um, uh, has reported that the Ravens appeared to be aware of the death, for they soon gathered on the tower green near the chapel, called out, and they became quiet as though to pay their respects. The idea should not be discounted as corvids, which are raven things, have been widely reported widely reported to hold funerals in which they mourn and then cluster around a dead bird in silence. Oh. I know. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And kind of sweet. They're, they're intelligent. They're, yeah. I guess emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Too. I know. Which... I always find it interesting, but also freaks me out. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's bring it back up with something a little bit silly and funny. Let's I meant to tell it. in the beginning, but for some reason, this whole Raven Michigas got away from me order wise. <laughs> so, why the clipped wings? There is a legend that the um, Charles II's royal astronomer John Flamsteed was annoyed that the Ravens were always flying past his telescope, and it was making them hard, making it harder for him to observe the sky from from his observatory in the White Tower. <laughs> Another variation of this legend says that it was Charles II himself who disliked the Ravens' droppings falling onto the telescope, <laughs> <laughs> and so he had them clipped. Wow. Was that Aurora Borealis? Yeah. Clean the lens. Oh, Edgar Sopper, damn you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. Now, very quick bits and bobs. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, Prince Charles, the current Prince Charles, is rich and has a million mansions and everything. Um, Camilla, who's his wife, I think his wife, or just longtime girlfriend, maybe he wasn't allowed to get married again. But anyway, um, his lady said that she saw a ghost at one of Charles' mansions, and so she didn't go back for years. Charles' mansion? <laughs> That's weird, right? <laughs> yeah. That's like a fancy like, like a fancy reboot of Charles Manson. Charles Mansion. <laughs> Charles Mansion. Um, and then here's what Harry and Meghan have to look out for. Okay. So it's rumored that Queen Elizabeth is going to give them York Cottage as a wedding present. Um, I assume it's bigger than just like a little cottage, probably like King Cottage or whatever. And that is said to be haunted by Prince Albert Victor, who's better known as Prince Eddie, who had kind of a wild life, a wild sexual history, and um, is on the list of a lot of like at-home detectives lists of suspects for Jack the Ripper. Whoa. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Also, a Prince Albert? Is that? Is <laughs> that's a different connection? Prince Albert. Okay. Just asking. <laughs> there are a bunch of Prince Alberts, I think. Um, and in that house, Prince Albert Victor, that one, Queen Alexandra, King George V, and J- and King George VI all died there. Wow. Um, Prince Charles says that he felt a presence there. And then this is very sweet to me. Prince Christopher of Greece, who must have been staying with one of the British royals, claimed to have seen a reflection of a young lady in a black mask in his bedroom mirror that matched an 18th century portrait in Norfolk. Wow. That's weird. Houghton Hall. Wow. Yeah. A, a ghost of a person in a mask. Mm-hmm. I know. Is that strange? Yeah, why are you hiding your identity, ghost? I know. What does it matter to you? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So well, that's it. Good luck, uh, Harry and, and Mar- Markle. Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. Mm-hmm. An unconventional princess. Yeah. She's divorced, which is not usually allowed or something. She's biracial, which has never been a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. American. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. Yeah, um, I'm gonna watch it. You're, are you really gonna watch it? Not the whole thing, but I'll like I'll be working, but I'll 
I'll definitely be like checking my gossip rags online. You'd have to get up like really early in the morning, right? Oh, do you? Then no. Then I'll just so look they're, up they're stuff like about six it. Six hours ahead. Something. Oh like yeah. That. I'll just look up stuff about it later. Yeah. I like seeing the pictures. I think I watched a little bit of Prince. Uh, what's his name? Who's the young one? Kate Middleton's Henry husband. Or something? Prince Ed. What's his name? Prince, William. William. Prince, Prince Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a little bit of their wedding, I think, live because yeah. it was on at the salon or something. Maybe it was a replay, but it's kind of, you know, it's different. It's interesting to see a lot of pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really it was like, very like, I guess I don't like pomp and circumstance. You know, I don't like, I, I, I wouldn't want to be involved in pomp and circumstance. Well, I'll take a look. I've always been the more rebellious one. Oh, my like God. That, so, you know, bit, all right. Bit of a bad boy. Okay, good. So anyway. <laughs> all right. My, my topic for the evening, Kristen. Yes. You may know him. He visits you nightly. <laughs> it is the Sandman. The Sandman. Yeah, and I'm not talking about Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, he's not shown in theaters. He's shown on Netflix That's now, true. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I do see him nightly. Yeah. I watch an Adam Sandler movie every night. <laughs> it calms you. It puts me to sleep. Yeah, Kristen, what do you know about Adam Sandler? So much <laughs> um, about the Sandman. Yeah, you know, like nothing really. I guess he comes to put you to sleep. That's it. That's really all you know. There was one thing in particular I was hoping you'd say, but uh, maybe it's an association that I only have. I looked into it. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. I didn't know much. I would have said like the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. you, I guess he sprinkles sand on your face and it makes you fall asleep real good, which is strange to me. Anyway, so the Sandman is a traditional character mm-hmm. in many children's stories and books. Mm-hmm. In Scandinavian folklore, he's said to sprinkle sand or dust on or into the eyes of the children at night to bring on sleep and dreams. Oh God, that does not sound sleepy and soothing at all. No, it sounds horrible. Into the eyes of children. But the, it's sort of like a weird practical explanation for something that happens to us when we sleep. Yeah. The grit, gross, mm-hmm. or sleep mm-hmm. in your eyes yeah. is uh, called reum, R-H-E-U-M. Ew, 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 ew. That is a disgusting word. It's the, it's right? the like, oh yeah. Do you think it's, it is? I think yeah. it's a horrible word. Oh. I, I'd never heard it before. It's that it's like when you like have to like rub that like crusty gunk out of your eyes because you've been sleeping. Oh, gross! That's the Sandman's sand. That's kind of I kind of like right. That. So that's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, kind of get, interesting. I don't get s- crust. Oh sure, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, <laughs> I just have to do a quick dab at the inner corners and I'm done. All right, fair yeah. enough. Uh, but yeah, that is supposedly the result of the, the Sandman's work. The previous night. You have the mush, man? I must, because it's not sandy yeah, whatsoever. Sound good. <laughs> nope. All right. So Hans Christian Andersen. Uh-huh. Sanderson. Wrote about the Sandman in 1841, uh, but he called him Ol' Lukos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of awesome. Bear with me. Yeah. It's kind of a long quote, but it's cool. In the evening, while the children are seated at the table or in their little chairs, he comes up the stairs very softly. For he walks in his socks. (laughs) Then he opens the doors without the slightest noise and throws a small quantity of very fine dust in their eyes. Real quick. Yes. Real quick. It's funny to me that some sort of like ethereal or not of this world being would have to go with a consideration like only wearing their socks. Yeah, exactly. Like, why can't you just make yourself be quiet? Better take my sneakers off. Yeah, right. There, go ahead. Uh, I sprinkled a very fine dust in their eyes, just enough to prevent them from keeping them open so they do not see him. So that's also like blinding. That's like pepper spray. Then he creeps, then he creeps behind them 
and blows softly upon their necks. Oh my god! Till their heads begin to droop. Oh my god! Under each arm, he carries an umbrella. One of them with pictures on the inside. He spreads over the good children, and then they dream the most beautiful stories the whole night. This is awesome. But the other umbrella... Full of horrors? ...has no pictures. Oh. And this he holds over the naughty children so that they sleep heavily and wake in the morning without having dreams at all. You're naughty. Uh, Yeah, I don't remember my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, make with the good umbrella. Yeah. (laughs) Dream man. (laughs) Let's go. All right. Now, uh, this I got a lot of information from this wonderful source I found. Um, You may know. It's probably on on your favorites. Probably on all your favorites. This is from vanwinkles.com. Oh, my God. Now, I did no research. Vanwinkles.com. I did no research to find out what this website is. Was it a funny site? Is it a funny site? (laughs) Um, But... I have to assume that this is just an entire blog dedicated uh, to the science of sleep. Maybe? Yeah, that's what I would imagine. Van Winkles? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it okay. is. Yeah, fair enough. All right, that that's a pretty good name for a, it's a great website name. about sleep, actually. Van yeah. Winkles. Yeah. You know what I pictured kind of when you said Van Winkles at first? I, I kind of thought it was going to be somebody who's like weirdly obsessed with like childishness and the idea of dreams and sleep. It made me think of that Peter Pan guy who was like... Everybody went to his website in like the early two thousands. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like yeah, he, he was dressed like, like a, little Bo Peep and stuff. It was that was weird. That was like almost yeah. like a GeoCities type site. Yeah, like, and it was before we had. I don't think Facebook and maybe MySpace or something. But just like it seemed like everybody was aware of this. Everybody guy. Everybody was aware of this guy that posted yeah. pictures of himself dressed like Peter Pan. Wow, good memory. I forgot. Thank about that. you. Yeah. Um, he was also on another one of those shows, not unlike the um, thing about objects and sexuals, like. It may have been my strange addiction or something else like that, but he was featured on one of those shows. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, uh, the Sandman seems like he may be based on a Greek god called Mm. Morpheus, the Mm -hmm. god of dreams. Ah. Um, Germans in particular saw the Sandman as a demonic figure whose mythos extended to a kind of nightly reckoning. Children who fell under his spell and promptly went to sleep were judged as good and obedient. But children who fought the effects of his magic dust risked a sentence of mutilation. Oh, my God. What? Uh, the sand scratched their corneas? I guess, yeah. <laughs> a life of torturous nightmares or even death. Oh, my God. Way to go, Germans. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> We're German. Hardcore. Partly. Yep. Partly. Yeah. Uh, folk tales such as those involving the Sandman were considered instructional. And parenting, being what it was at the time, relating these tales was as close to coddling as it got. (laughs) If you go to sleep and you listen to old Sandy, when he sprinkles a bunch of dust and goop in your eyes. That's your, like, good night story? Have sweet dreams, my boy. There will be a man coming to you in the night. A besocked man. Yeah. He'll blow on the back of your neck and throw sand in your... Throw sand in your face. Damn eyes. And if you don't fall asleep from that... Yeah, then you're bad, and you're going to be mutilated. (laughs) This is crazy. That doesn't make you rest peacefully and sleep all night. You're, You're a dead boy.
This is crazy. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, parents love their children, of course, but in a practical sense, <laughs> oh, yeah. children were also a valuable source of free labor. I about to say back then, children were kind of utilitarian, right? They would like help you run the farm or yeah, whatever. It could mean the difference for a family's survival. Oh my God. It's really horrible. Ample rest was required to make it through the difficult workday. So it wasn't long before exhausted parents began relying on tales of the Sandman as an effective <laughs> lever in manipulating difficult sleepers. I really get a kick out of this. Close those peepers, you difficult sleepers. <laughs> Children, that was, that's my propaganda. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Children who doubted the veracity of their parents' warnings need only check the corners of their eyes each morning. <laughs> oh my God. To uncover gritty <laughs> to proof prove it. of his nocturnal visits. <laughs> uh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is the best. VanWinkles.com. I love this. This is where it's at. By 1816, German novelist E.T.A. Hoffman distilled these local folktales for his popular work, Der Sandman. <laughs> Solidifying the figure's terrifying depiction in a way that later fascinated Sigmund Freud. Here's what Hoffman had to say. E.T.A. Hoffman. He's a wicked man who comes to children when they won't go to bed and throws a handful of sand into their eyes. So that they start out bleeding from their heads. He puts their eyes in a bag and carries them to the moon to feed his own children who oh. sit in the nest up there. Ah! They have crooked beaks like owls and can pluck up the eyes of naughty human children. I'm speechless. That's pretty baffling. Huh? This is amazing. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Oh, my God. All right. Oh, my God. Wait a second. Take me back. He was reporting this to Freud? What, what's no, going this, on? No, this, like, bewitched Freud. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is good. But what about sex? Yeah. <laughs> Pass the cocaine. That's <laughs> my German accent. Ooh, pasta Dutchie. <laughs> Not on the right. Anyway, is that a good joke? I'm alone now. Apparently, I'm <laughs> dying. I gotta catch my breath. I've been laughing a lot. All right, now, this is written now by a noted folklorist, Harvest Proof, Harvard professor. I thought, I thought his name was Harvest Proof. <laughs> Harvest Proof. There's <laughs> a, a noted folklorist and Harvard professor named Maria Tartar. <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to me, oh my um, you're really on one. Mm. Oh my god. To me, uh, the Sandman mirrors our ambivalence about children. <laughs> yeah, you think? Or outright <laughs> disdain, like aggression. On the one hand, we love and adore them, but we really love them best when they're asleep. <laughs> that weird. Well, no, that's that's like a that's like that's a, thing. a gag. I don't know. It just it just sounds. Well, a thing like you know, like parents of like you know toddlers and everything who are little nightmares when they're awake. Yeah, I'd love and you then if they like asleep. they they love them when they're cute and asleep. That yeah. that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, they love them always. You know what I'm saying? Local man arrested for sprinkling sand in his toddler's eyes. <laughs> that's the eighth time this week. No, not in the 1800s. He would just be like you know lauded. Yeah, and that's true. 
his wife would try to get pregnant right away because they need somebody to help chaff the wheat or Look whatever. I know there's Sandman. wheat and chaff, whatever. Now, here's something that I thought I knew about the Sandman uh-huh. folklore. I was wondering if you were going to bring this up, but you did not, which okay. tells me that it may not be a common thing. I wonder if other people out there are aware of this. I thought that part of the Sandman story was that he sprinkles sand in your eyes and whisks you off to the land of not. Oh, yeah. Does yes, that ring a yes, bell? Yes. You believe that not that's... Not the sprinkling sand part in your eyes. That's new to me today. Really? That, that's like the part. I know. I don't know what I thought. I, I really don't remember that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the land of... I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I never thought yeah. of it as like gritty sand, <laughs> you know, like little pieces of seashells. In yeah, it. I guess I never thought like, of... It was always depicted, I thought, in cartoons as being like magical. Like he'd, he'd reach into a bag and then pull his hand out and there would be like almost like a CGI, you know, pre-CGI effect of just like light sparkles on the screen. You know what I'm picturing? Yeah. Almost like Poison Ivy in Batman Forever. Like, I think that, yeah. um, yes. Like blowing just like magical dust. Yes. It's not really particulate in any way. It's some sort of vapor. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how I always saw it depicted. That's so that, and then yes, the land of Nod thing, but I didn't remember that. The off land of, of Nod, boy, it did not come up anywhere. Oh. So I looked into the land of Nod. Uh huh. Um, and I found, um, one of the top connections. So Kristen, this is from my next source. Okay. According to, um, the Smurfs wiki. The Sandman is a character that appeared on the cartoon show The Smurfs. What did Gargamel do to him? In the episode The Dark Ness Monster. He lives in the land of Nod where he sleeps until dusk, at which point he goes around putting people to sleep with his special sleeping sands. In the episode, Papa Smurf and the Smurflings visit the land of Nod so that they could awaken the Sandman in order to get the special sand to make Brainy a new pair of glasses. Of course. However, upon his awakening, the Smurfs the the found the Sandman to be a cranky old man who cared more for sleep than for helping anybody else out, and so tried to put his visitors to sleep. Papa Smurf's persistent harmonica playing prevented the Sandman from going back to sleep, and so he offered to give the village leader his sleeping sands in exchange for something equally precious. <laughs> his solitude. A bucket of chocolate from the pool of the darkness monster. Wow, this episode sounds all over the place. Papa Smurf agreed to do this, and so he and the Smurflings went to the darkness cavern to get the chocolate from the darkness monster, which makes me think it's maybe like Ness Quick. That's weird, right? Yeah. Darkness. That's weird. Who was now wearing Brainy's glasses. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Are Smurfs always like this? Or like the shows? I have no idea. I don't remember. I think that I watched the Smurfs when I was a kid. Um, this yeah. is wild. To make the exchange, which the Sandman faithfully kept his end of the deal by giving his bag of sleeping sands. Wow. So they need to like blow the sand into glass to make glasses because this guy's sight is so bad and you need like magical glass? I guess. I, I don't know why the, the monster was wearing his glasses. For That's fun? That's weird. I think for fun. I guess. The Sandman also makes an appearance in the episode Lazy's Nightmare. So <laughs> just check Smurf's Wiki for the more information. Check your local listings on the Smurf's Wiki. <laughs> That's a really good postscript. The same also appears in the episode Lazy's Nightmare. <laughs> now, so. I looked into what the Land of Nod actually is, though. Okay. The Land of Nod uh, is a place mentioned in the book of Genesis of the Hebrew Bible located on the east of Eden, where Cain was exiled by God after Cain had murdered his brother Abel. Okay. Um, Nod is the Hebrew root of the verb to wander. Therefore, to dwell in the land of Nod can mean to live a wandering life. 
Ooh, that makes it not sound good at all. It doesn't sound it makes, good. It sounds like you're stuck in just like a weird like purgatory that you can't get out of. Kane continued his, his wickedness in Nod, resorting to violence and robbery, establishing weights and measures, transforming human culture from innocence into craftiness and deceit, establishing property lines and building a fortified city. The hell's going on in Nod? That's even possible. I kind of pictured it being just like space. Nod is said to be outside the presence or face of God. (laughs) Origen defined Nod as the land of trembling and wrote that it symbolized the condition of all who forsake God. Oh, my God. Early commenters treated it as the opposite of Eden. How did this turn into, like, a cute sleep thing? (laughs) In the English tradition, Nod was sometimes described as a desert inhabited only by ferocious beasts or monsters. Others interpreted Nod as dark or even underground, away from the face of God. God. That's what the Sandman's doing. Jeez. Is Nod in the never-ending story at all? I have no idea. I I hated the never-ending story. Me too. I hated it so much. Me too. Makes Um, me feel bad. Yeah, it just it was, gives me it a headache. Gross. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't like looking at that big dog. <laughs> me neither. I don't like it. Me neither. Uh, all right, so I'm going to wrap this up in a second, but I do want to say Mr. Sandman is also a big part of pop culture. Obviously, yep. there is the song, mm-hmm. Mr. Sandman, Bring Me Yes. Mm, I think I'm the cutest that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew this, though. There are uh, lyrics in here that you rarely hear. Okay. Um, give him a lonely heart like Pagliacci and lots of wavy hair like Liberace. Wow. Doesn't quite stand the test of time. So I don't I was, know. It's working for me. I was thinking maybe we could have a contest for everyone out there to, to provide some sort of updated lines. <laughs> right? It should always be timely for the current era. You know, yeah. Who no are one cares we replacing about Pagliacci, Pagliacci, and Pagliacci right now? I don't know. I was just thinking that I kind of want to watch Behind the Can- Candelabra again, yeah. that HBO movie about Liberace with okay. Matt Damon and uh, Michael Douglas. Fair enough. So it's kind of relevant for me. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, that song, Mr. Sandman, was uh-huh. played in Halloween, very yep. famously, where it was almost used as a metaphor saying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bring me a dream was almost like, you know, end my life. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah. Uh, sort of ironically. Of mm-hmm. course, there's the Metallica song. Of course. Enter Sandman. And then there's this. A very, very popular uh, comic book series. It's almost cult. It's almost underground. Written by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Just called The Sandman. Yep. I've had this book re- recommended to me a million times. Um, Have never read it. Decided to look into it a little bit. The main character of the Sandman is the Sandman. Uh, His name is Dream, Mm -hmm. also known as Morpheus. He's one of the seven endless. The others are destiny, death, desire, despair, delirium, formerly known as delight. These are all people's names, yes. And destruction. These are people's names. He's Dream. Okay. His dream. Okay. Gaiman crafted a new character from an initial image of a of quote a man, young, pale and naked, imprisoned in a tiny cell, waiting until his captors passed away, deathly thin, with long dark hair and strange eyes. Hmm. Gaiman patterned the character's black attire on a print of a Japanese kimono, as well as his own wardrobe. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you just like nope. had like a weird like burp come up when you were saying that. No, I, I find that to be outrageous. It is outrageous, but it also sounded like when you, somebody's talking, they're like, Arr! "No, I was out of control." I was laughing as much as that as um, yes. And then I read, I read this sentence, and I was pretty much done. 
right, here we go. Try to figure this out. Okay. Other than Morpheus himself, the most important inhabitant of the dreaming is Lucian, the first of dreams ravens, and now the librarian of the dreaming. Dream gives Lucian authority over the dreaming on several occasions. I stopped reading. I couldn't do it anymore after that. Um, that's the same. So the, the dreaming is like the name of the town or, uh, or land that they inhabit or whatever. I think it's a building. I think it's a castle or something okay. like that. All right. More ravens and castles. Sure, yeah. sure. Plenty of black. But uh, Lucian, I couldn't. Um, yeah. I had to stop then. I felt a headache come on and I woke up. <laughs> I was covered in blood. That is the Sandman. That is awesome. It put me to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, very weird. That woke me up. I don't know if I'll be able to sleep tonight. Unexpected. Didn't know what I was. Uh, what know, a delight! In for. Isn't it weird? Yeah. No, it's really good. It's like really uh, freaky and creepy, and then also there's some really funny stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. Maria Tartar, come on. Maria Tartar. <laughs> we hate children. Everybody knows this. Dare Sandman taught us. Um, oh, all right. God. I believe that takes us to the yeah. end of another episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's right. We leave with our satchels full of sand. <laughs> And knowledge to spread. That's right. Anticipation of the royal wedding. Yeah. Spread this information, all our little Johnny Appleseeds <laughs> <Yeah>. out there <laughs> all around this great land. <laughs> uh, look forward to the royal wedding on Saturday <laughs> early in the morning. Yep. Um, it actually is going to be in movie theaters at 10 o'clock. Oh, really? I forgot. Yes. Right? Yep. I realized. Oh, so yep. that's not that. You don't have to get up that early. No, not that early. Well, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe they're displaying a later broadcast or something, but yeah. that's a thing. Cool. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a cameo. I'll show my hand. My friend Carolyn said it in the live chat of us recording oh, right now. Cool. I don't. I can't play off like I just remembered that from out of nowhere. Interesting. But yeah. I want to tell you guys that I don't usually look at the chat too much, but since that's information that you could actually use in real time if you're listening to this on Friday the 18th, I wanted to mention it. Friday the 18th. Right? Yeah, no, it's fine. Oh. It sounds like a bad movie. Oh. <laughs> Friday yeah. the 18th. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> um, maybe you'll catch a Raven Master back there Ooh. waving his arms about. Puddle, mudgrass. Fly over here, my friend. Feeding a raven some roadkill. Yeah. Dunking a biscuit in blood with a ladle. <laughs> All right, everybody. Sopping. Thank you again for tuning in for another yes. episode of the show. Yep. Thank uh, you. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. If you are interested in supporting Guide to the Unknown, there are mm -hmm. a few things that you can do. One of yeah. them is to go out and spread the word. Yes. Please tell your friends. Post about it online. In your Insta story. On Instagram. On your Facebook. I don't need to list social media platforms. You know. Yeah, you know yeah. them all. Blingle, mm -hmm. Hoopscot. Yeah. Um, I'm on all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also leave us a five-star review on yes. iTunes. We, we would, would greatly appreciate really, that. We really, really appreciate that. We've gotten yeah. so many recently, and yeah, it's been it's awesome. Awesome. I would. I really love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. You can also go to patreon.com slash gttupod mm -hmm. or download the Patreon app and look us up mm -hmm. uh, so that you can support the show on a monthly donation basis, whatever yep. you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, visit talkbomb.com slash gttupod to find links to everything, by the way. That's the hub of all of these things. You have links yep. to all of our social media. You can watch previous shows from there, mm -hmm. all podcast apps, all that kind of stuff yeah um totally yeah and you can also i should say follow at gttu pod that mm -hmm. is our username on most of those sites yep and you can also follow us individually that's right i'm at chillin Kristen on instagram i am at haunted sponge so we will see you next week for another terrifying episode mm -hmm. but until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld perhaps the land of nod perhaps in a kimono go away 
Good night.